0: Uh, our belief system as a society is more fragile than people think. If we've Mm -hmm. learned anything, I, I won't bring politics into a podcast, but if we've learned anything from the last five years, we can completely divide people overnight. The Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back
1: with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. I'm excited about this episode today um make sure that you like and subscribe we got a lot of cool things to talk about i got mr will webb here with the only lead strategy
0: how you doing man awesome man thanks for having me this is this is gonna be a lot of fun
1: yeah this is gonna be a lot of fun man this is gonna be a lot of fun we were just talking about uh surfing and wakes surfing and all that kind of stuff you uh you get out quite often
0: yeah yeah so um i'm actually kind of in the process of getting a boat and. Um, And I, I, I told my wife, I was like, uh, the boat is the fun, but the house is the thing you kind of really want, you know? And so, uh, so we're, we're working through that process right now. And through the um, you know, the tail end of the pandemic and real estate going crazy, like we're we're kind of on the long game of hunting for that for that uh, lake property to kind of um, allow us to 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 really um, get out there more often because it's it's like one of my biggest passions. So if if what's anybody ever name? wants to hang out, then invite me to Dude. surf, and uh, I'm pretty much gonna say yes and show up. That's <laughs> the easiest way. I so. think,
1: what's his name? And I'm gonna I'm gonna kick myself. up. the guy has the long dreads.
0: Oh, yeah, Austin Keen. Austin, dude,
1: this guy is incredible.
0: (sighs) Nuts, nuts.
1: This guy's incredible. You know, it Ah. was really fun because I like to watch. I like to watch skating, like skateboarding, you know, and I still do. I just have like this. Basically, if you catch me at two in the morning, I'm probably watching some kind of fighting or something, (laughs) boxing or something. And then I go to skating, you know, and then I watch skating. And I just I think that the (laughs) um, failure and the like what you learn through board sports takes It takes you through a lot of things. What do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, perseverance is huge. Anybody who's ever been on a skateboard knows that the first trick is an ollie. And then you go from the ollie to the kickflip. And the ollie is like this low bar kind of trick where the worst thing you can do is slide out and kind of fall on your elbow. But a kickflip, I mean, you can send that skateboard straight between your legs, and uh, and you can really change your opinion of skateboarding, right? <laughs> so, um, heel flip you know, will I, do it to you. He'll <laughs> flip the. Yeah. The way the heel <laughs> flip goes
1: is it basically what happens: you kick this, and and many times if you catch too early
0: you're straight. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You just, you just corn cob yourself. And, and, you know, it's just not like something, uh, when you're going through that learning process, I think, I think in anything that you learn, but, uh, but in board sports, man, there's so many humbling modes in wakeboarding. It's the, it's the, um, back roll or the tantrum. Um, you know, there's so many times where you just catch an edge and eat it and it's hurt. I mean, it's so painful. And, um, and so there's always like the step after the first step, is typically the most grueling um, in in that, in that skill progression of a board sport. Why do you think we need a lot of other things?
1: I I think this also goes in like business as well, but what do you think it is about that personality that I think, I mean, I would say that subjectively, I would say there's um, there's something to be said that men will actually say that when they go to war and they're just guys and they're fighting for this purpose That's some of the best times of, like, a guy's life. Like, they just – they're fighting for a purpose. They're doing what they want to do. And I think it's the same thing with, like, extreme sports, right? You go out you try this boarding. You do all these things. And then I think it turns into, like, business as well. And obviously, we're going to get into business and things like that. But I think it really turns into that same perseverance, the desire. Because you you put a lot of risk (laughs) to get, like, that one trick, right? And then everybody – <laughs> like, shit, <laughs> right. like 99
0: times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's so true. I mean, in fact, a lot of people, um, and and uh thank you, anybody who's listening that's a veteran given given uh you know your service. Um it, you know, some people come back from war times and they actually miss it. Uh they crave it. You know, it actually changes a lot of the wiring in their brain to where uh that level of extremity or not extremity, but extreme uh environment, you know, creates a a like no uh turnaround moment right where it's like now i've seen it i felt it and i can't go backwards i have to find something that, that that's similar in, in extreme and so that's why you'll see a lot of people not just do one board sport you know they they reach that right. skill rise they get through the journey if you if you will they reach their peak potential and then they say all right what's the next one you know and and uh, i think entrepreneurship's similar i mean it, it it kind of um you know there's always another level there's always another you know another yeah. thing that you're trying to get to and and um, you know, and you have to constantly evaluate what's the risk in getting to that next level and what's required of me to get to that next level.
1: Now, I know we're going to talk about lead strategy and um, which is the business that you have now. And, but there was a comment that you made. I thought that was quite you said, uh, we help scale businesses and we typically do it pretty fast. Our clients are people just like you who have a vision bigger than themselves, who needs some help along the way. Our business leads with love and aggressively protects our people. Clients and partners' best interest born during a global pandemic. We have no idea what normal is. <laughs> what what, do you, yeah. what was going on during that time? Because that was a little while back. Um, obviously, a little bit post um, yeah. pandemic. But what was going on?
0: Yeah. So a little context. Um, you know, I started lead strategy uh, as a side hustle, and um, I don't know how much you want me to talk origin story uh, here. You might you might want me to to kind of rip it. Um, Let it rip at, it. Whatever so it is. Yeah. Whatever you feel um, like is going
1: to come out. You can be like that preacher <laughs> so, that when you're done, you're like, I didn't even know what I was saying. You know, that's,
0: that's right. That's right. I'm blacking out starting just now. speaking um, tongues. You can
1: do that too if you'd like. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, lead strategy. So I was actually walking my dog um, and uh, and I was actually dressed pretty similar to, to how I am right now. And um, Heidi was her name. Uh, she she stopped me. Our dogs were playing and she said, Hey, you look like you might know something about business. It was literally just, I'm assuming judging based on how I was dressed, um, which, which, uh, I don't know if that says something negative about my style, but that's another conversation. We, uh, we were in this talk about that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we we're having this conversation, and she said uh, she's running a health coaching business, and um, and I I was a hired gun to build a division of an analytics business, and we were look, working with Under Armour and Lululemon and um, a, a bunch of really really enterprise grade clients. And um, you know, I, here she is, just a small business uh, living in the same apartment complex as me, and uh, and she's like, yeah, you know, last month I did twenty thousand dollars, um, and, and here I am thinking like, hold up she has no team, you know, she, she's, uh, doing health coaching and she's making $20,000 a month. Like that, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and I had been in the online space before this wasn't, you know, the first time, but, uh, but when, we sat down we, and we just, when
1: did you enter the online space? What year?
0: Yeah. So that goes way what? back. Uh, I started an SEO agency, um, and, uh, just to pay for college. So, uh, that, that's a whole crazy story yeah. of itself. But, uh, um, but I, I, I basically, uh, sat down and we started talking about her business. I didn't do anything, you know, if I'm just being really honest, I didn't do anything crazy. You know, all I did was look at her business, point out a couple things that I thought would make sense and her business doubled. And she called me and she said, well, you got to quit your job. You got to go do this and help more people. And here I am thinking like, I met this girl on a dog walk, you know, and, um, and, uh, and two weeks later she tells me to quit my job. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm like at the top of the consulting game, you know, like I'm building this division. I've got the enterprise clients. I've got all the things that like that society says, like, this, this is what you're supposed to achieve. Right. And um, and so, I accomplished you i know, at, I'm at, at the,
1: Christmas at Christmas events and Thanksgiving when they're like, you made it. You got the big
0: office. Right right yeah it's like oh man will's like a big executive in atlanta kind of thing you know because i've come from a small town in tennessee and so a lot of times people are like man he made it you know and and i kind of had that like that thing that was happening in the back of my head from the people that i grew up with and and uh and and so i started lead strategy uh but i didn't quit my job i kept the job um i had built a team a product that i was super proud of and um, and frankly, I was learning a lot. You know, that CEO is was, was a, a great mentor to me. and and, um, you know, and and I'm still going through this curve of like, what's lead strategy gonna be? What are we gonna do for people? You know, all I did was give her a little bit of advice and and she went and executed. and and I don't think that's every client. And I don't think that that's maybe a, a quantifiable offer. So let me figure that out. and um, and so when lead strategy started, um I had this belief that, that enterprises had access to to education and material that small businesses had never uh, experienced. And that hypothesis came from the thought that most entrepreneurs uh, were not particularly fond of school. They were not particularly fond of structure. They were not particularly fond of authority. And because of those characteristics, a lot of entrepreneurs were self-taught and self-learned. But when you're self-taught and self-learned, then you don't get the intellectual curiosity and components of a billion dollar organization that has thousands of people thinking towards one objective. So what does that look like and what things can we distill down from that to be able to replicate in a small business to create? I think that's
1: really cool that you say that because I was actually having a conversation with someone else before and um, they were a content writer. And as they were writing, they then went and worked for this fairly large organization and the question that I had from him, I said, I bet the writing was different, but what was the process? And the process was extremely different. You know, once yeah. you have different pieces of the puzzle, you can send it down. You get somebody that can, you know, look at the content. Then you got somebody that can actually say, is this going to fit? And then that person can then explain it to the designer and how they want to flow it through yeah. compared to when you're a solo
0: entrepreneur, you kind of throw all that in your own head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you pull up you know, Canva and you're like, I think this is gonna work, you know. And then yeah, you you, yeah. you you put it into your favorite you know web delivery uh, uh app, and then you got to shift right. And then it, it and, right? and, and,
1: well, and then yeah, <laughs> that it doesn't it's not sized right, and then you spend 45 <laughs> minutes trying to like yeah. shift the size or whatever. You're like, damn, it's yeah. been all day for three pixels so I can make it fit into. But, this. Yeah. but with what you're saying though is that in that at that level th- those things are already there, and once you see them, you then kind of go, oh, I can see the finish line and then you can kind of change it up a little bit. And so as you continue, um, what was the, what was the next, what was the next part of the story?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've actually gone through a couple evolutions. So we first started um, thinking, you know, I I thought to myself uh, entrepreneurs are visionary people and um most entrepreneurs we met it's like an 80 20 right probably not a perfect 80 20 but um a lot of entrepreneurs are visionaries and not operators so I started to think well let's lead with strategy let's let's fix let's take their vision and fix their actual strategy for how they're running their business and that will allow them to fast track scale because they're not going to blow themselves up and have to rebuild right let's fundamentally solve those root problems of that three pixel orientation in the email so that they don't spend 45 minutes because if they spend it now, they'll spend it later. Right. And Mm -hmm. so how do we cut out a lot of those inefficiencies early on and grease the rails so that we can really hockey stick? Because when you reach exit velocity, it changes every component of how you're able to grow the business, all your valuations, all of your success metrics and how fast you can hit the market. So there's so many dynamic components that we realized if we solve the operational complexity first and then promote or scale with more clients, it's a better equation than if we just lead with we're going to get you leads, we're going to get you booked calls whatever else people are offering, right? Would you say that that's
1: <clears throat> Would you say that that still is <clears throat> with with that leading with that hook? you think that that hook's just being burned out?
0: It attracted a different client than I expected. Um, and and that leads me to like the next pivot, but I'll tell you why, um, what it led to. So what I found was that I wasn't selling a scalable offer, right? Um, because when we do fractionalized COO services and we build the strategy of the future visionaries of, the U S or whatever, you know, whatever nation we're talking about. Um, you know, we, we had a client, um, that we got there and, you know, they were, uh, running three businesses and they were doing, you know, about a million dollars in each business, you know, a little over in one, a little less on on another. And, um, and we took those and now, uh, that same entrepreneur has been working, work, working with us for several years, um, has over $50 million in revenue in three years. And, um, And six businesses, right? And the way we were able to do that was because of the belief that they had that I have a vision big enough to handle this kind of velocity and this kind of revenue. But it isn't every entrepreneur that has that. And frankly, it isn't every entrepreneur's goal. You know, We call the people like that client, we call them empire builders. And not everybody is starting a business for an empire, right? Some people are starting it for a legacy. Some people are starting it for a lifestyle. And the empire builders, they're not like people who want a lifestyle business. They're grinders. They want to work 100 hours until they die. They're not people who are looking at it from a retirement standpoint. They're looking at impact. And um, and that doesn't mean lifestyle people can't run a fantastic business. It just means that they have a different value complex where they're assigning different things. And so um, our empire builders um, is who we were attracting. And because empire builders are... Uh, Our our workhorses, it became uh, an unsustainable component of scale where the more they grow, the more we grow because we built the deal that way. But also now I have more risk to the business, right? I have more concentration risk. I have to swell my team to specifically staff for that business and I don't have long-term security. And so- interesting
1: that you bring that up because this is something that- This is a conversation for people, I think, that are going through this a lot. And I think that it's a lot of these structuring deals that you're talking about is kind of a rev share. Um, And then as you rev share, the problem is that if you have all your risk on one position um, and you don't have any front end, then you really don't have a pipeline of any business coming through. And so you really are at a risk of... And I think there's a lot, I don't know if you still, you probably still run these deals like this, but there's a lot of hope involved. So you're like, okay, I hope they're going to do this. I hope they're going to do this, but you don't really have any control of those people. So interesting that you brought that up because I'm seeing this where people are wanting to do the rev shares, but they're emotionally so connected that really it becomes just a job and you're working for that one rev share. Right. And so I think that that's an interesting conversation that you bring this up. So yeah. So continue.
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah. Yeah, it's it, you're so right like it um when you have a a dynamic uh scope of work, right? Then that means that the scope itself is going to move as the business needs change mm. and that doesn't necessarily mean your percentage of rev share is going to be reevaluated. And so you're constantly in this in this debate with how you're going to manage profitability of the deal. People think that oh well when they grow we grow and that's going to protect us. No because you then have to assume that as it grows, your profit increases. If, if your profit stays steady, then ultimately you're now waiting over to the side. So I'll, I'll paint a picture um, as an example. If the contract's a, a six-figure, $100,000 contract, and um, because of your percent setup, it doubles to $200,000. Are you able to deliver it with the same team or do you need more people? If you need more people, how much is that diluting your profitability? And if it's diluting your profitability at all, then it isn't scalable. right? Because what you've done is now you've flipped the value prop so that you can protect the long-term interest of the, the account instead of reversing it to where it's an investment that you put in upfront work and you reaped the benefit long-term. So the way we structure deals now is a little bit different than that. We still offer um, fractionalized COO services. We offer full scale advisory, and we also offer full blown turnkey. We run your business for you, Um, and and that is an off like all of that is off menu, right? We don't actually go to market with any of that stuff. Um, Those are all you know uh, very one to one conversations. They're very they're very um, they require a full blown audit. So now we run uh, an audit on the business to make sure that, uh, that they're viable and that we actually have high confidence in their ability to grow. So uh, we look at three years of books of financials, and we look at uh, every single component of that business as if we were going to acquire them. And then um, we do a cash plus percent plus equity deal that has multiple levers that move into the next stage so that eventually all of our clients now know we're looking for a passive stake in your business or an active operating stake. And if it's an active operating stake, we're taking more equity, right? If it's a passive stake, we'll stay low on the equity on the cap table. But if if we're going to really be involved in this long-term, then we're actually looking for this to be a long-term profit for us. And here's how we're structuring it. So we're super transparent. What um, revenue, and, and that helps.
1: what revenue, what revenue, uh, makes sense in, in a model like this
0: so I find that um and and this is this is like wild right because I I'm like gonna ch- I'm just not gonna leave anything out um a lot of people will hold back like some of the stuff but I think it's super important for people listening to to be thinking about like what are people really doing um you know this is this is that that stake, right this isn't sizzle this is straight steak and um and so we found that five percent of revenue, um, is a really solid, uh, way to scale it. Um, and if your client is willing to do that, then that's great. But think about, uh, 5% of revenue at $10 million is a half million dollar contract, right? right. So if that's going to be how it's arranged, then your client has to understand your value at every juncture along the way, because eventually they look at their books (laughs) and they're like 500 K I can go hire three, five resources. Exactly. Exactly. Right? And 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 many
1: times, if there is no done for you, there's a component of like, well, what are they doing? Like I'm coming to right. work every day and now what are they doing? And I think that a lot of these times, these deals get structured so heavy because there's not very many of them. So when mm-hmm. the, let's say uh, the, uh, the consultee that wants to come in, usually they'll say, oh, okay, 20% or something like that. But what sometimes ends up happening is you're right. They hit a 90 day spot and you, get, you gave themselves, you know, gave them a good hockey stick and it starts to stabilize. And you're like, why am I paying 20% to somebody right. that it right. just has an opinion? And I'm not saying that that's not va- valuable, but I think it's yeah. just natural. I think yeah. it's just natural. Um, <clears throat> one of the things, and as you go through this process and you jump in um, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this, obviously come with lead strategy. I think it'd be, it could be uh, right to say um, Do do you go straight for a high-end lead front-end when you start? Because then that's the only way to filter things out. I think that this is an interesting conversation because I think people have this misconception of, you know, all I got to do is get in there and talk to this many people and then I can make this many deals. But you really don't have a business with input and an output, which means you don't have any energy. Yeah. So do you go to try to increase energy on the front-end or do you usually try to... um, D- l- l- use what leads that they have and then work more on the back end what do you guys like to do when you start
0: and you're talking about it as we come into client businesses or how yeah, we think about lead yeah, strategy yeah. specifically
1: i guess well i mean that would be when you go in you would use lead yeah. strategy so i guess yeah, i'll yeah. just kind of map it that way yeah um, that's fair but what yeah. what are your thoughts on do you like do you go in and look at back end first in the audit or do you like to put more pressure on the front end if you're going to increase revenues
0: yeah so um it it the the answer of a classic consultant is always it depends but um you know first off uh there's a big misconception uh people want to run a vsl to try to sell these kind of deals and like that's not it um you know if you're gonna actually get high quality clients that can that can afford to pay you half a million dollars a year then you're gonna need to actually spend time face to face with these people right uh, these kind of clients are people I'm flying to, right? I'm not sitting behind my desk on a Zoom call trying to create this massive amount of leverage. I'm just going old school. I'm getting involved in their business because, at the end of the day, my effective rate per hour makes sense to do it that way, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, to answer your question directly, when we audit a business and we think about uh, which side of the house we're gonna fix, um, we we have a framework called VP3, and uh, and it starts with vision, and then it's people, process, promotion. And so when we're auditing, we're trying to figure out where they'd have the biggest deficiency. And then we ask ourselves, if we were to add the, and scale the promotion of this business, what would break and how bad would it break? So there's a certain amount of complaints or negativity in the system that I'm willing to allow as we grow. But I'm also not going to let a business who can't deliver their service get scaled up on the front end because it ruins their reputation. So, then I'm going to fix the people problem. If they can't articulate to me what their end to end delivery process is, we're going to fix processes before we ever go and, and generate more promotion. Right. Um, and, and a lot of that comes into the qualification stage. If they're going to go and, and leapfrog over uh, the front end of our funnel and they're going to come in uh, on the back end as a personal relationship, they already have a seven figure business. That's one of the qu- qualifying criteria. Um, and then ultimately, they already are interested in understanding that we're not looking at a three-month contract, a six-month contract. We're looking at a three-year plan, right? And they don't have to sign a three-year contract with us; that's not required. But um, but they have to really be in it in the long term. So part of the part of the qualification process is how fast do they want to fix this? And um, and so that that's why it's it an
1: interesting but, question, right? <clears throat> what kind of answers do you get when people say, I just want to, you know, you know, how fast do you want to fix this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So last month, um, we had about 60 people that wanted to work one-on-one with us and, um, we let two come through and, and that's because the, I'd say 80% of the time, here's what an entrepreneur says. Um, they saw somebody out on, on the, uh, the the, the right? That does a million dollars a month. I like how you month. put that. I like how you put that. Because
1: so, I, I get the visual, right? Because you're online and you're like, there's somebody out there. That's... Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. They they saw the that post, man. right? The perfect man. Right. Right. It's the perfect guy. He's got it all figured out. He's 22. <laughs> he drives a Lamborghini and somehow he's managed to make a million dollars last month and, and he only been working for and three months. And I want to know how to do.
1: That's what I want you to do.
0: Right. That's and what that's I what I want Lead Strategy to do for us. And it, And so generally, like if they come through like that, you know, ultimately, that's a mindset problem. Um, yeah. you know, they're they're looking for fast uh, success, and fast success is totally fine, right? You can go viral and you can have that instant success, but as fast as it comes, it goes, right? You have to build a bulletproof foundation to be able to have a business that's here in 10 years, right? The statistics do not fail, right? Businesses fail over the long term, and that's because people are looking for too fast of success, they don't have a vision beyond themselves. And so all they're trying to do is hit this financial hit rate and they're saying I want to make, you know, 100k a month. It's like why? What does that do for you? How does that change your life? Right? Like let's talk about the why you want that cuz if it's just 100k to say you have a 100k a month business like that's an ego thing. Let's talk about why you're actually growing 100k. But if business. I can
1: say it's because I want to have a lake house so I can wakeboard on <laughs> then yeah. we can
0: have that talk. <laughs> yeah because now you have something right yeah. and then and then i'm which gonna ask people another...
1: which includes people yeah. it includes you know I, I think it's funny how you said that kind of just throwing back on it but it's funny how you said the house because i think that the house is the most important thing because that's where the stories are made i mean yeah you go on right. a boat you go on a thing like right. that but anyways right. i just injected that but yeah no <clears> no it's I real think that uh i think that um it, where you're where, where people come in, I think in, in expectations. I think that you're right. I think that people don't try to build something that's going to last very long. I don't like to bring up Gary V very often, um, but Gary V does a good job telling people like, "Have patience, build something, build something." Yeah, um, yeah. Very interesting. So they, so many times they want to go with they say super fast, and then you build expectations underneath that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, you're going to probably see um, just some social media content come out like in the next couple of days around this concept around, um, you know, unless you have world-class discipline, you can't get world-class results, right? And so most of the people that want three months of success do not have the discipline to be able to actually live through what I would need them to do in the next three months to do it. Because growth is a formula, it's a machine. And so when you reverse engineer the machine, you can do it. But are you an Olympic athlete in business? Or are you just a regular old Joe coming off the couch thinking you're going to run a marathon next week? Like, As long as you're actually that Olympic athlete and you've been preparing for this moment, we might be able to play ball. But your answers would never. Most of the people who are Olympic athletes waiting for that moment, they're the people who are saying, sometime in the next three years, I want to be able to really make this business what it was supposed to be. Right? They're leading from a place of, I've been working on this for a long time. I've been thinking about this since I was little. I've been I've been just obsessive over this thing. And now I'm ready. I just need help. I need guidance, right? Those are the people that ultimately make it through.
1: I think that there's an interesting thing. And that is that um, the business is an, an, an energy entity. And many times um, when you kind of slowly build something, that energy, if you're consistent, is like a slow moving train and you you can fall off of it and then get back on because the trains just now got some kind of pace. But I think that what you're even talking about is like people just want to come in and think that there's there's this spike. But the problem is there wasn't enough time when things starts to get weird if you have a distribution channel then you didn't have a second distribution channel <laughs> and then all right. of a sudden that one falls apart and then the next round you have you know oh, oh all of our cold emails working or whatever your outreach is that you're doing or yeah. however you're attracting people and then that doesn't work and so i think that what you're talking about and i think like even what gary Vee talks about is he's like you know, keep something steady for a long time. And then you kind of build some substance underneath it. And you also tend to answer questions differently when you're in it longer. um, As far as like the experience and, you know, kind of share the story. And so I think that, I think that what you're talking about is people just, they assume that they can get something that's going to maybe take a little bit more grit. Um, Did you, my question is because you obviously, (laughs) it's great. You met, met, met Heidi and Heidi put you but where was that pivot for you that you went, okay, I'm going to, did you bring on a partner yourself or is this under your, do you just do this on your on your own?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a full team. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a solo founder. Um, and I think, you know, a big key, uh, if you're a solo founder out there, um, that's fantastic, but be really conscious of your loneliness. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like, you know, I, I'm i happily married. I, I uh just actually recently got married. So um, you know, and I haven't even hit my one year mark Congratulations, yet. Congratulations, right? so, man. Um, I know I saw yeah. the pictures and <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I you know, it's I always uh, always tell people like never give up, you know. Um yeah. but I, I do think relationships are funny. Uh not that you ask, but like um I I had like given up, you know, I was like the place of just like my will had been broken. And, and that was when she came along, you know? And so, um, so I think a lot of that can be said in in a lot of other aspects too, but, um, but don't like make sure you're, you're like evaluating your inventory of loneliness. Um, because I had mentioned earlier, you know, about my friends that I grew up with Mm. and I didn't have a bunch of friends that just like went on and, and, you know, were in Forbes magazine. Like, that's not how my story goes. I had to outgrow, uh, so many friend groups that I can't even tell you because I started from a place that's so much different than today. And it's taken me 15 years to get here. And so, you know, now whatever you see or whatever you think, we're we're just getting started and I'm 15 years in. And so, you know, when you put that into perspective, you're gonna outgrow your friends. You might outgrow your family. You might outgrow your loved ones because people have to grow with you for them to survive the change that you're invoking upon yourself. For you to get to the next level of entrepreneurship, you have to be willing to abandon what you know, and that's freaking terrifying. It's so scary, and so that and loneliness. I think everybody that talks
1: about it goes is going. I think that's the interesting thing about this is that even though you talk about it and I talk about it, it still is real. For it, like sometimes things sound like they're motivationally speaking, but I think a lot of times you're just talking to yourself to get through that shit. <laughs> totally totally you know what I mean like yeah dude, like you know we, we're gonna get off this call and we still have that when I I think it's interesting you brought up the loneliness because right now we're having a good time and then you just go okay goodbye and you go through that like 10 10 seconds of trying to find the end button on zoom and you kind of look at each other yeah like <laughs> got so gotta, you gotta yeah. turn it off but then once it goes off there is there's that loneliness in this industry
0: totally because it's 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 like a it's like a fraternity or a sorority right like like entrepreneurs get each other in a completely different wavelength, regardless of where you are in your journey, you know, like, oh, you have imposter syndrome. Yeah, me too. Right. And guess what? That guy who has a billion dollar startup in Silicon Valley, he's got imposter syndrome too. Like a lot of the things that plague us as entrepreneurs don't go away. We just figure out how to manage them differently. And, and so that, that inventory of loneliness, like, um, yeah, I'm in Atlanta. I don't have a single Atlanta based client. Right. And, uh, and, and, and people think that that's really interesting. And I had to join up like all these entrepreneur communities in Atlanta because I was like, man, nobody sees me. Like nobody understands what's going on, you know? And just because my business is doing really well, you know, from a metric standpoint, there's moments where I don't know what to do because I've got no one else to, to sound off of, right? I'm lonely in that I'm going through this journey. And even my own wife is fantastic, but she can only just listen, She can't actually influence because she's not an entrepreneur, right? And so your support system is critical to your success long-term. And that's why I always say, like, if you don't have a coach, go get one. And that's not just because I sell coaching services, right? Like a lot of people, I can understand how that could, I could, I could have like a motivation there, right? But like- No, I think it's just in general- Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like just in general, like you, you need a coach, you know, you need somebody who can be in your corner that can see it from a different perspective that can give you that, that unique take. Um, but you also need friends who aren't coaches. You know, you need people who are just that, that genuinely care, right. That call you on a Saturday and say, Hey man, you want to go to the park and throw Frisbee? Like, you know, just those little things, because I think
1: it's something that kind of goes back to our conversation earlier. I think that when you talked about we talk about board sports you talk about getting in the water it, it, a lot of times those bring people that are trying to do failure yeah. sports as well and i think it is a big proponent like even myself i mean i i do muay thai i surf uh, you know I'm, i got a longboard here i'll try not to, to skating eating shit skating nowadays just hurts really <laughs> bad yeah, it man. hurts so it much it's bad dude. <laughs> i took a digger over here. i did the old i, I was like oh, i'm just going to go to the i'm going to go to the um mailbox and I'm going to take take my longboard I was like okay so I got it on there and I didn't wear my shoes or anything (laughs) and I kind of did the old (laughs) come around and I go to make a turn and I was just not going very fast I hit that rock oh and I did and I did the old you know that one to go and it's like what's gonna, and this thing just slides out I'm probably in the air three feet in the air perfectly parallel (laughs) I land this is no shit well I land I land on my shoulder bone I hit my head. I hit my elbow. I hit my knee bone. I hit my ankle. And I remember I hit that concrete so hard. I literally was like, why did I do anything that jeopardizes my body to get hurt ever in my life? My, yeah. my, my soul left me for, for a quick minute <laughs> and I crawl over to the grass and I just lay in the grass and it was like a, like a steel rod hit every bone in my body. But anyways, I don't know why I went on that, but I think that, <laughs> I think that <laughs> anyways, there you go, guys, eat shit. Let's get no, friends. yeah. But I guess my point is that one of the things that I think that I miss seeing, and that isn't, especially in the internet industry, is that you don't see people showing pictures. I think you do. I try to, maybe it's just an era thing or whatever, but you're showing pictures of being on the boat. You're, that's one of the things I saw in your thing. I was like, oh, I'll get along with this guy. You're, you're enjoying yourself. You're doing things outside of, Work and what I think that happens is happening a lot of entrepreneurship is that it's just a cycle. There's no fun outside. You know, they're not showing yeah. pictures of snowboarding, or you know, they're not showing pictures of going and playing like group softball. And I think yeah. that the conversation that we're just having right now is like almost an encouragement for those people to do those things. And what you're saying totally. is find friends outside of this stuff. And I yeah. think that that's a misconception And when people say, Oh, you're going to outgrow your friends. No, just outgrow your friends in that area. And then just go right. be that with those people yeah. and then continue on your journey. Because if not, you're eventually you just leave everybody and you ever, I mean, I don't know. I've got some knucklehead friends and I really like them, you
0: know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't ever talk about this kind of stuff and you just wrestle or you do whatever. And so I think that your conversation about that is really
0: healthy to business. Owners. Yeah. And, and I mean, that really just comes to authenticity. Like, don't do the thing you think you're supposed to do that makes you look successful. You know um, I love cars. Like I love cars a lot. Um, and I'm not even talking about like Lamborghinis and Ferraris. I'm talking about like that gritty, you know, just thing with the rusted paint that that's somebody's pride and joy. They've built up over the last eight years. Like, you know, the the rat rods, I mean um, and, and so I think you got to do the things that you need to, or want to do. And don't worry about judgment, you know, like, Um, if if anybody knows what paramotoring is, uh, a friend of mine does a ton of paramotoring and it's, it's basically like a parachute with a, uh, with one of those like swamp buggy motors on the back, the big, the big fans, you know, and, and they just go flying. Right. And it's like, what a nerd sport, right? I'm over here Now, granted I used to play Dungeons and Dragons, so I'm not here to like cast shade on the nerds, but like, what a nerdy sport, you know, how do you even find something like that? But he loves it. And then you see the footage from it and you're like, wow, I want to do it you know, I think I need to do, I need to do paramotoring. And, and so just don't worry about playing golf or tennis or whatever you're like, you think you're supposed to do to meet those successful people. Like successful people are in every, every space. Right. Sure. And, and so the, the one commonality of successful people is they're all in. So if you're going to go and do Muay Thai, then you're going to need to get good enough to be in the room with the people who are good at Muay Thai. Cause those people are probably also the people you want to be around. Right. It's not the, the people who are just starting like you. You've got to get through a couple layers to get access to the final boss. And that final boss is really who you're trying to hang out with, right?
1: Oh, that's true. It is the yeah. guy you want to hang out with. Well, because he has the wisdom. He has the stories. Right. He, there's no bullshit there. Right. There's no bullshit.
0: And there's there. humility, you know? Because by the time you get to a point, you realize like how much you don't know. There's more you don't know than than you'll ever know. And so that's like really... A lot of humility to just be like, oh, we we scale businesses for a living, but like, I don't know anything. You know, It's like, it's that moment, right? Yeah. It's that moment.
1: Yeah, I was just on, um, and I was with, uh, I was talking about Richard Branson. Actually, I actually have the book up here and he has a thing. It's called Screw It, Just Do It. I think that is what he says. Yeah, screw it, just do it. And um, he basically has an idea of just go for it. Like if you're going to do it all in, but the thing I think that it's yeah. interesting, like where sometimes people will take, it's a lot easier to move. Did you see that Grant Cardone billionaire thing? Like where he was like, he had to grow to a million dollars in like six weeks or something like that.
0: Yeah. And yep. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 And, there was a couple the- billionaires that did was like that show, right?
1: Yeah, but the thing I think was interesting that he came back, he was just so honest. He was like, I didn't realize how much my name has traveled. When I want to go do something, I have all the pieces in place. I could be like, oh, I want to do, I want to have a health scenario, uh, 10x health thing or something. And he's like, boom, okay, let's do it. But what he did is he, when he went out there, he's on the street. He's like, I realized how much when you don't have anything, how hard it is. And yeah. I think people underestimate how difficult it is to get a rocket into the air.
0: 100%. 100%. When yeah.
1: you um <clears throat> when you decided to start systematizing this model um did you replace yourself on a sales side or what was one of the first positions that you replaced yourself? Yeah. In the strategy.
0: Yeah, so um you know I have an odd set of strengths um and so I first kind of just re-inventoried um every every few years your strengths and weaknesses shift. Uh, kind of like your personality type, you know, it can, it can have some variability to it based on the influences that you have. And, and, um, and so for me, I kind of just looked at my weaknesses and said, let's hire there first because, um, so the very first thing that I did was I'm not a great note taker. Um, I'm a, I'm an out loud processor. So for me, it was like, I think I need somebody that's going to be in here to help with delivery to, to really take the notes and project manage to keep things organized so that we don't drop the ball ever right because um, I, I love getting in calls and getting really inspired and, and really building out these wicked plans. And then it's like, well, if nobody wrote that down, then then I'm never gonna say it the same twice. So you know we're, we're hopefully somebody captured it. you know unfortunately, like we have grain that we use to, to like transcribe stuff and we have like tools now but but first thing was a was somebody to help with delivery um, for for these these hiring clients. and then um, and then you know, the next piece was uh, was a setter. So, um, I, I didn't want to do a lot of the high volume stuff anymore. Um, so, you know, that was an area that I, that I kind of segmented, um, the next piece was social media. Um, so still doing sales at that point. And then, um, finally I, uh, I, I kind of offloaded sales and, um, I still pick up some shifts in sales. I still pick up shifts in delivery. I still pick up shifts in social. Um, you know, I think that entrepreneurs, uh, that want to have an audience and that want to build something that's going to last, they have to recognize that their content is their brand, and so they need to be very anal on on how that that actually looks and how it's supposed to to come across. Um, and then sales, you know, ultimately, somebody who's motivated on a commission basis to sell for you is going to get most of those clients in, and that's because they're doing their job. But as a founder you have a different obligation. You have an obligation to find the right people and to accept the right people in. Mm-hmm. And when you commission someone, they're not interested in the right people. They're interested in getting that commission. And so I try to keep the sales role um, personal as long as possible to make sure I'm controlling the quality of the community. And then I'm able to, to really scale it easier because I'm not fighting against these clients that frankly don't want to be coached or they don't want to put in the work or whatever the, the kind of circumstances. is.
1: Yeah, I think that that's uh, interesting because they all go together because then usually the people that aren't wanting to do the work usually complain a lot more and ultimately it comes down like what you had said. It came down like a discipline to be able to just repeat things over and over again, especially if they're building a brand for the next level. There's a lot of noise out there. (laughs) What do you think uh, kind of will kick this into interesting? And and what do you think about this uh, Bing and (laughs) ChatGPT?
0: yeah. So before I, um, before I was with, uh, you know, before I started Lead Strategy, um, we, we designed algorithms um, for sourcing and procurement data. So we're talking trillions of lines of data um, and, you know, for everything that companies buy. And before that, um, I was with a big four consulting company doing pharmaceutical robotics, and we were designing uh, algorithms for that. So vision system-based uh, algorithms. And a lot of it was artificial intelligence oriented. Um, and I I did a certificate program through MIT to learn about you know artificial intelligence and machine learning. And yeah. then you fast forward, and now we have ChatGPT, we have Jasper, we have all these tools at our disposal. You can even build full-blown images. Um, and... You know I think the interesting thing about it that uh, that I'll say is I think of it as an efficiency tool, not a replacement tool, um mm-hmm. where we are today. And that doesn't mean that in the future it won't change. But as of today, I can tell when someone has super bland chat GPT scripting and when they're using Chat GPT to aid in something that could have been original. and um the the problem with algorithms generally is, Uh, they're the best at social engineering. So we're very easily influenced and manipulated in the scheme of things. When you cut out the noise, then think about the amount of interactions and micro uh, tunings that you're getting through an algorithm like on social media. So now Mm -hmm. magnify that to ChatGPT and start thinking about everyone using the same prompts that they got on YouTube and everyone using the same thing that they learned. And there's no origination, And so now the algorithm is ultimately influencing your opinion on a topic. And so now you think that if you get it to write you a social media caption using the AIDA framework, then great. That prompt is cool. It's better than just saying, write me a social media caption with no context. Mm -hmm. But what it's failing to realize is you're going to take that AIDA thing and you might modify 10% of it and you post it. How many hundreds of other people asked it the same question? You know, it's
1: interesting. You're right. And the only thing about search engines is you still come up with your own conclusion. I mean, even if you don't go past the the top 10 on the top, but you're right. You do kind of collectively come up with a decision and then kind of deliver it compared to what I I didn't think about that one is that ultimately people will end up coming up with the same answers, which that's okay, but you're not going to have any originality or input from things that you're doing in your normal life. Which I think makes originality, right?
0: Yeah. And, you know, we, uh, our belief system as a society is more fragile than people think. If we've Mm -hmm. learned anything, I I won't bring politics into a podcast, but if we've learned anything from the last five years, we can completely divide people overnight, right? Yeah. All we need is a catalyst and we can divide people. So you have one camp that's saying ChatGPT is going to replace all the jobs, and you have the other camp that says, oh, it'll never happen that's going to create a division. And and ultimately, you know, kids are using it to cheat on exams. Think about how that's intellectually shaping them over time. Oh, oh my right? gosh. And they're not dancing, actually getting into the that. Time.
1: Right. <laughs> and they're so, dancing on TikTok while the answers being generated.
0: <laughs> but is this the next art renaissance? <sighs> Does this chat GPT thing shift us into an art renaissance instead of an industrial revolution? Do people now have more time to focus on creativity with no boundary because of it? Or do they use it as a crutch and we remove creativity? And so I think it'll be really interesting over the next few years. Um, Before, when you created an echo chamber to validate yourself, you used other humans to do it. You found communities based on how you engaged on social media. And so now it's like, before we know it, all my political beliefs are validated by all these people on social media and it's because i don't see the other side anymore because instagram is trying to get me to stay here as long as possible yes same and, thing and with chat gpt now you don't need another human to validate you you just yeah. need a bot right
1: You're validated yeah and the sad thing is that we don't have anything not kind of being political but we don't really have anything bringing us back together we for many years right. war was the way that you brought people back together you would yeah. have a war and then everybody would have a common reason to fight. We also would use the Olympics. The Olympics were amazing during times of war when they could actually use the Olympics as a commonality that we're going to come together in sport and then yeah. you know move through. But I think right now there's so much. I don't know if we, if we have a commonality right now. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to say, right? That we can yeah. come up with something um, to kind of bring us together. What what um what, what is your driving force of staying in business and maybe not going back into a corporate world? What has been yeah. um, kind of a, I think people uh, could hear a little bit of just reasons why you stay an entrepreneur. I think it's a good way to kind of work our way through the end of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, freedom. You know, freedom is a huge part of it. Uh, you'll always have a boss. You'll always have somebody that you report to. You'll always have um, somebody who sets your schedule or your agenda, but how much they influence it is ultimately depending on how you structure your life. And so you can have a business that's a job or you can have a business that's, a, that's an investment or an asset. You can have it be both over time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what influences me is that uh, there becomes a tipping point where power becomes more important than money and Just having
1: that conversation.
0: Yeah. Yep. And, um, and so every time someone is motivated by power over money, then their ethics change. And what it is, is a bunch of microaggressions. So your ethics start out in business. I'm not going to do it that way. Cause my boss did it to me like that. And I'm not willing to do it right. 10 years later, you're doing what that, your boss did because you realize that, Your decision making has to be different to get to where you want to go. Right. And so, for the longest time in history, business requires you to step on heads to get to where you want to go. And my motivating factor is to change the way that we think about that. If we were like a rugby team and we lock arms and push together, we all win. Mm -hmm. But if, if we really truly feel like instead of being lifted, we have to step on someone unwillingly, then we've lost the long-term influence game. And when we shift over to a power complex over a financial complex, and we make our decisions based on how I can win instead of you, then we've removed capitalism, we've removed innovation, we've removed a lot of what makes society incredible, what makes humans incredible. Yeah. So the thing that motivates me is just to be authentic and just to say, hey, I don't have this figured out. Hey, this is where I'm at and here's where I want to go and I don't know how to get there. And and by the way, it doesn't have to be somebody who's already been there that teaches me how. It could be somebody who's who's at a completely different spot than me who says, "Hey, Will, did you think about it like this? Hey, what if we did this? Or what if, right? What if we had a world where we didn't have to necessarily own our own business, right? Like, there are portfolio companies where you're the CEO, but you don't you own a portion of it, but you don't own all of it because your best." Use your highest value to society is actually just running something instead mm-hmm. of owning it, right? And so, when people drop the insecurities of, I need to do, I need to identify this way, then you start to get into the real minutiae of happiness. And you start mm-hmm. to get into that next plane of instead of focusing on power, why don't we focus on happiness, right? The U.S. isn't specifically, that kind
1: of funny? Isn't it funny that you really, as business owners start to grow and they start to make more, that they are chasing the happiness? Yeah. their it, pits really what you're looking for because the yeah. freedom is what you wanted to do in the beginning. I think it's just like, you know, this idea of when you start a business, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this business. I'm going to grind it out. But there's always in the back of the mind where someone's like, I'm going to have some fun.
0: Yeah. 100%. <laughs> you know, I think that
1: some of that, I, I try to, it became a very, I think it came a bad word for a while, but you know, I grew up at a time where it was like work hard, play hard. And I think that some of that has been diluted where people went, oh, this whole balanced life. And I don't think that really people understood that if you would work what you're doing and then actually have good, fun experiences, the ones on the outside are the ones that you're going to be telling anybody yeah. anyways. Like yeah. the one you wakeboarding. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you do all those things, you snowboard, probably you probably snowboard, but yep. you skate, or you do all this stuff. So like, those are the stories you're going to remember. And so yeah. I think what you're saying is even in this business model, is that it should be the thing that feeds those things.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Dude, absolutely. This has been incredible, man. Um, this has been really fun. How do uh how do people get older you will?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The um, lead
1: strategy himself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I you know, I mentioned um social media and all that stuff. Uh one of the best ways out of the gate is just to connect somewhere on social media I'm on all the platforms. So whatever your platform of choice is, uh, most of the time it's will s web. Um so whether that's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, um, YouTube, wherever it is, um, you should be able to Google it and find it. And um, you know, obviously if we can we can help, um, then then reach out um you know most of the time we're giving a ton of resources away because uh we really want to work with businesses who um you know mm-hmm. who who are stuck uh not businesses who are starting but mm-hmm. um you know we we obviously anyways there's a whole thing for that but uh uh but yeah so so that's the best way to connect and um you know I, I'd love to meet as many people as we can It's awesome man
1: well this has been another great episode will you knocked it out of the park I appreciate <laughs> you man thanks man Anybody out there that uh, hasn't liked and subscribed, make sure you do that on the channel. Do it. And then also make sure that you go back because there's many other amazing guests that have been on the podcast as well. Check those out. And um, from there, that closes out. This episode of Moved Entrepreneur Vault. See you guys. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.